Cold edition of Houston Round Bar Review presents Folks Talking Sports, sponsored by Five Star Properties, a Dallas-based company owned by a Houston alum. If you're facing foreclosure or need to sell your house as is for cash, call 972-532-SELL or visit the website at fivestarprops.com, F-I-V-E-S-T-A-R-P-R-O-P-S.com. I am Chris Gardner, owner of the Houston Round Ball Review. Joining me is Andy Yanez of everything else that I don't do, it seems like. Uh, Paul Samajama, Community Impact Newspaper, Gallery Sports, on and on and on. And Willie Gibson from, let's see, so many hats. Well, how about you, Will? You, I mean, you're, you're an alum of the Ohio State University. Mm-hmm. Will knows podcast. Yeah. Uh, what is it, WTG? Yep. WTG Sports. WTG Sports. So, gentlemen, how are you doing? And are y'all warm where you are? Yeah, we're good. I mean, it's typical December 23rd or 20, what, 21st, 22nd weather up here. It's 40, well, no, it's not because it's 42 degrees. But as I, we were talking uh, prior to coming on, uh, the temperatures will drop overnight. And uh 7 a.m., the temperature will be two below zero in Columbus, Ohio. Andy, do you want to be a part of that, man? No, I do not. I'm staying far, far away from the Midwest. But uh, welcome to everyone. Why, citizens, thank you for, time, for your comment here. Thank you for your support on the Houston Round Bar Review YouTube channel. I want to say this. I got some good news for the Houston Round Bar Review via A.D. Moore, Adolphus Moore. He received approval to cover the Super Bowl. As part of the Houston Round Bar Review. So once again, back-to-back years, the Houston Round Bar Review will be covering the big game. Can I, I guess I should say that. I should say the big game. Yeah, you got to say that. I might be in yeah. trouble on that one. So, yeah, the big game. Sorry about that. But A.D. Moore will be representing the Houston Round Bar Review at the big game. Uh, so props to him. Kudos to him. And um, I sent it to Will already, but Andy will probably be there regardless. Uh, I already applied for the Men's Final Four. Did that uh, Saturday, so that credential portal is also open. So, fun times for the Houston Round Bar Review. Andy, I'm going to test your brain, man. We're going to talk about the Cougs basketball game last night, but what are your thoughts on, and you too, Will, your thoughts on signing day yesterday, the first day of, I guess, the December period for football. How did the Buckeyes do, Will, in your opinion? And then, Andy, how did the Cougs do, in your opinion? Uh, Buckeyes did well. They signed 20, uh, 20 uh, players. Had a couple uh, flips uh, on the day of. Um, had a young man who was committed uh, here to Ohio State, ended up uh, signing with Auburn. Um, that happens. Uh, conversely, we had a uh, young man sign with Ohio State that previously had been committed to uh, LSU, uh, Joshua Mickens, defensive end. So it, it happens, but uh, all in all, uh, fifth-ranked recruiting class in the nation for Ohio State. Twenty commitments commitments signed on uh, Wednesday. Uh, seven from the state of Ohio, which is always uh, key. Ohio State put the fence up, and uh, 
you know, on to the next one. Um, we lost, Ohio State lost a couple uh, due to NIL. Um, there was some, there was one kid in particular um, that had a number, and Ohio <laughs> State refused to meet that number. And it's interesting because of what we do, uh, that then turned to, well, Ohio State doesn't have the NIL money. They don't have money to sign these kids. They don't have NIL money. And that's not the case because the second and the sixth highest paid NIL earners in college football are Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, number two is C.J. Stroud at $2.4 million. And number six is Jackson, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who did not play. Uh, well, played one and a half games this year. He's number six. A uh, little under uh, $1.8 million in NIL money. So uh, the, the smear tactics didn't work. It's just Ohio State doesn't pay up front. And there, was, there, was, there are schools that have a quote-unquote signing bonus program where they pay kids to sign, whereas Ohio State will participate in the NIL. However, once you become a member of the program. Andy, when you hear numbers like that, man, what is what is what do you think about when you hear that in terms of choosing Cougar football? I mean, Ohio State loses players. The players flip from Ohio State commitments. What what do you hear when a massive program like that happens, gets flips, in terms of the Houston Cougars are far, 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 far from being a big time football program on a national level? Yeah, that, that final point, that's what sticks out. The Houston Cougars name, image, and likeness portion here at the University of Houston has a long way to go when you're going to, I mean, honestly, would it ever be able to get to a level like that when you're being able to compete with those premier Power Five? I mean, really, the answer is no, at least no way in the short term. Um, I don't see it envisioning happening, but I think that just is a big it's a big piece of the puzzle in terms of what separates the Houston Cougars and the University of Houston when, especially from a football landscape where you think of those premier programs, when Ohio State, they're, they're really, when you look at Houston, they're in a level by themselves with the other premier programs across college football. The Houston Cougars are nowhere near that level. So when it comes to name, image, and likeness standpoint, not really going to be able to be competitive with those type of names, at least not any time in the foreseeable future. Uh, in regards to signing day overall for the Cougars, they had 16 signees for their early signing period in the 2023 that happened yesterday. We we're recording this. So we we're recording this on Thursday, the 22nd. The signing day was the 21st of December. And their two highest recruits, when Will's going to laugh at this from the Ohio State perspective, in regards to the two highest recruits for Houston were two four-star prospects, obviously, depending on who you asked when it comes to those ranking systems. If you ask Calvin Sampson, he wouldn't care at all about those ratings. But when we're looking at the football perspective, those were their two highest rankings out of high school. And I think a, a good thing, something that's good for the Houston Cougars, is that they were both from the Houston area. And now named the first one, Jonah Wilson. He was a four-star prospect from 24-7 Sports out of DeCaney High School. He's a receiver that was ranked 37th in the country, number 51 player overall, 51st player overall in the state of Texas. And the other was running back Parker Jenkins, who comes from Klein Forest High School again in the Houston area, another four-star 
prospect that was the number 35th overall running back in uh, in his class and 84th overall in the, in the state of Texas. So <laughs> one looks at those numbers and he'll he'll probably laugh. But I think overall and, and well, let me add this caveat as well with the latest groups. And I haven't I haven't checked it today, so it might have updated. Actually, I'll see if I can get that today. But as of yesterday, Houston had jumped from the 70th best recruiting class in the entire country. Two fifty-four. So, according to who? <laughs> um, according to On Three. Okay, that's the name of the site. Yeah, because it's uh, you know you know Will knows different sites, different ratings. Like twenty-four-seven sports, as of two thirty today, has a Cougs overall. I think this includes uh, transfers with sixty-fifth mm-hmm. overall. So it it varies uh, between fifty. They have it at 65. what? 60, 65. 24, well, yeah. I just I just checked it on on three K so uh, on three dot com again, and they fell to fifty six nationally, so they dropped two spots. They're eleventh in the Big Twelve currently, and it does it also does factor in transfers, which of course the biggest name that made headlines from a Houston Cougars perspective is Donovan Smith, a Texas Tech transfer that the Cougar fans they know really well in regards to what he was able to do against the Cougars during their game early in the 2022 season, the quarterback position, which is something that Dana Hogerson said they were they were going to be targeting in the transfer portal because obviously they lost Clayton too and they're not going to have their senior quarterback back in 2023. So they're going to have to be move on and look for new face in regards to that aspect. And I think the other name that really made headlines was the transfer of Jalen Garth, who's going to be coming over from the University of Texas, another four-star prospect coming over to the University of Houston. And both of those guys are Texas natives. So... Uh, that's they've they've made some moves now. I think the biggest thing, kind of the the reaction to it, is that they still have a long way to go in regards to recruiting. Because depending on what site it is, like you mentioned, somewhere in the mid sixties, somewhere in the mid fifties, depending on the site, that's not good enough to cut it. Because something that has been unanimous, regardless on the sites you see, it's still towards the bottom of the Big Twelve Conference, which that's not where Houston wants to be at. Yep. Um, you mentioned on three has them at, at 11, Big 12. So does 24 7 Sports has them 11 in the Big 12 mm-hmm. in front of Kansas, BYU, and Cincinnati. UCF is 10, Iowa State 9. So the bottom, and this is the new Big 12. Okay. So this still includes Texas and OU, who of course will be leaving in maybe a year. Let's talk about that too in a, in a moment. A year instead of two years. But the Longhorns, I think, overall ranked third in the country in, in the overall ranking behind Alabama and whoever else. But clearly Texas number one in Big 12 schools in Oklahoma number two, TCU three, Texas Tech four. That kind of surprised me, but they have a great, or I should say a very good NIL collective. Baylor five, Kansas State, Big 12 champs at six. Oklahoma State seven. West Virginia eight, Iowa State nine, UCF. In, then the Cougs come in at 11. So clearly, we'll get your thoughts on this. Fifth Natty right now is 14th, yeah. the last in the new Big 12. That's got to be direct result of the, the loss of Coach Fickle. Absolutely. And not just the loss of Coach Fickle. It was an underwhelming uh, replacement in Scott Satterfield. Uh, he was on the ropes in Louisville. And they kind of gave him a nice little cushiony soft uh, landing spot because uh, 
it was getting a little, little tight for him and, and Louisville. So underwhelming um, replacement for Fickle. But, yeah, the, the Luke Fickle um, departure to Wisconsin definitely plays a huge part in that. Well, how many – do you remember, recall, how many five-stars signed with Ohio State? I believe two off the top of my head. I know the one that, that sticks out for me is Brandon Ennis, number 29 in the country, wide receiver from Florida. And he stands out because he took a call from a new coach in the Pac-12. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And uh, it was a little tight for a minute over here in Old Columbus. Time. A recent, recent hire in the Pac-12? A recent hire in the Pac-12. Placed the call to the young man. And uh, things were a little touch and go here. That You know, first he, he took the call and said, well, I'm not going to sign in December. I'm not going to wait till February, which is the traditional, pardon, the traditional uh, signing day. Uh, first Wednesday in September. But uh, immediately, immediately. Ryan Day and wide receiver coach Brian Hartline uh, jumped on the jet, flew down to Florida, and uh, smoothed over whatever had to be smoothed over. And uh, the young man signed yesterday with Ohio State. Okay, and I know the new hire in the Pac-12 uh, made a call to uh, commit to his previous or his his alma mater. Excuse me. Yeah. And uh, they were kind of on pins and needles, but. They got that one. He he signed on that on that line with Florida State, unlike yeah. Travis Hunter, who yeah. uh, left to follow Dion to Texas State and now follow Dion at Colorado. So Dion's trying. Colorado yeah. is is you know, I'm kind of curious to see what they do in the Pac-12. What's left of it? And let's touch on a lot. Of, I got a lot of things we're gonna kick around a little bit, and then we can talk Cougs basketball, men's basketball. We can talk about. <clears throat> let me say this. First, don't want to forget it. Give thanks to the sponsor of Folks Talking Sports, Five Star Properties. And going to do a couple of things here as I, as I talk about them. But UH women, Andy, Will, the 3 and 10 now, lost yesterday, closed out non conference 3 and 10. But Five Star Properties is sponsoring Folks Talking Sports. Show is sponsored by a five-star properties, a Dallas-based company owned by a UH alum. See the number there, call 972-532-SELL or 972-532-7355 or visit their website at fivestarprops.com if you are facing foreclosure or need to sell your house as is for cash. Once again, 972-532-SELL, 972-532-7355. Post game show yesterday. <clears throat> After the post game show, Coach Huey. Well, the comment, one of the comments that surprised me was this team is still trying to figure it out. Wow. Okay. Comment is on the post game show is on the Houston Round Bar View on YouTube as well as on Instagram. So you can full Andy's whole five minutes. I put it up there. I have, mm-hmm. not, I have not been slapped on my hand yet because it's, you know, Past the four minute mark. So I'm waiting on that call or that email. But he said this team is still trying to figure it out. We're 13 games in. Still trying to figure it out. What what when I say that to you that he said that he mentioned that, what do you what do you think, Will? Uh, he's still trying to figure it out. 
And when I say that, I mean, how did, what, October, September? Practice starts in September? Late September, October. Okay, October. So two months in, 13 games in, and you're still trying to figure it out. He doesn't have anything else to say. He can't explain it. Is what that tells me. Yep. And that's what I mean when I say he's still trying to figure it out. He's run out of things to say. Andy, what do you say? I think I'll, I'll prefix it by doing another example uh, with the other basketball team that's across the uh, hallway or across the other side of the guy v. Lewis. And this is for a story that I'm working on for gallerysports.com. I'll plug it at the end of the show. But one of the quotes that Calvin Sampson gave me in regards to that aspect around this time is really when he feels like his team starts to look like they envision, like how they want them to play. And I don't think it's a coincidence when you look at the level of success where men's basketball's had. And then you turn around, you look at the women's team. Now they, they've really struggled. They were able to get a win against UTSA, although it looked like for a second there, look for a moment there, it could have it gone awry as well. I think it's just overall, and I agree with Will in terms of, you know, Ron Huey kind of running out of answers, but I think just overall it, it kind of feels like it's a team that's just lacking an identity at this point. And really the inability to close, um, the inability to close out close games has just been a constant, yep. it's been a constant issue for this team that it hasn't been able to figure out. And, the more losses they've begun to to pile up, it's kind of like the team's beginning to maybe not unravel might not be the right word, but there's just nothing that instills confidence that they can find a way and, and go on a miraculous run in conference because at for all intents and purposes, for any chance of an NCAA tournament, they have to go into the conference tournament. Once again, after we mentioned it at this point last season, it has to. It's all about the conference postseason tournament, and somehow going on a run in that tournament, and that's the only way for Houston to be able to make the NCAA tournament. And and will they lost to Washington State yesterday, Wednesday, seventy sixty three. Not a lot of turnovers. I think nineteen for State, twenty for Houston. The Cougs forced eight turnovers in the first quarter, led seventeen twelve. After one, second quarter, Will, they were outscored 16 to four. Is that right? 16 4? Yeah, 16 4. Two for 13 shooting, eight turnovers in the second quarter. So they just had it flipped on themselves. Uh, might have been nine. So they trailed at halftime by seven, and the second half was basically even. It was a push. Lost by seven. Monday, they won over UTSA, another bad team, another team struggling. Tell me how, how, how often you hear this kind of combination, Will. UTSA committed 36 turnovers, but shot 52% from the floor. Wow. Okay. All right. The Cougs were up 10 with about a minute or change in the fourth quarter, and the game went in overtime. Wait a minute. <laughs> yes. So... But they found a way to pull that one out or 
play less bad than UTSA. <laughs> Whatever perspective you want to use. So, yes, they forced 36 turnovers. I guess you could say that. But UTSA shot 52% from the floor. So when they did turn it over, they were hitting whatever they wanted. They just couldn't get across half court a lot. So that the combination is strange, but yes, they're three and ten. They're going into the American 16 games in conference play. Uh, the conference opener is next Friday against SMU. In-state rival. And now all the teams who are staying who are remaining in the American will get a chance to send the Cougs, UCF, and Cincinnati out with L's who they because they're leaving going to the Big 12. So that's going to be extra motivation for those teams to make it even more difficult for Houston to try to get wins. But like Andy said, these 16 games don't matter. They have to win most likely four games in four days in March in the conference tournament in Fort Worth at Dickey's Arena to get to the NCAA tournament, period. Because 16-0, and 0, which we know they're not going to do in conference play, they're not going to do that. They had to win four games in four days to get to to get the automatic berth and advance to the NCAA tournament. Andy, would you like to bet on that happening? No, <laughs> I would not. And I, and I guess let me backtrack. I mean, they could finish in the top half of the conference and advance and get a bye in the first round. They only have to win three games in three days. Three days. But either way, I don't see that happening either. But your thoughts, Will, and I say all this to say, <clears throat> Coach Huey is a good man. But good people sometimes get fired because they don't produce the results that they are hired to produce. And barring some surprise, this will be nine all nine years of his hire, his tenure at Houston, of not advancing to the NCAA tournament. I'm finally seeing on seeing and hearing from alums and people who have more influence than me, what is up with women's basketball? What is going, what is wrong, Chris, what is wrong with Houston Cougars women's basketball? We should be better than this. So they, folks with money, are starting to pay attention to this. So they're starting to question the administration. Um, what, you know, I posted the results, tweeted on yesterday, had a reply from an attorney, three and 10. Man, he's got some sway. <laughs> okay, three and 10. Weren't they supposed to, weren't they picked second in conference? Yep. And the three and 10? Yep. Man. So, Will, I think you are correct that when you say Coach Huey has run out of things to say. But at this point, he, he's feeling the pressure from what I've been told from friends and contacts and other coaches. These last, what do you say, Andy? Will they win one or two games in conference tournament? I could see them. I could see them making a run and getting into the semifinals again. 
That but and that depends on how the rest of the conference shakes out as well. So let's say 17, 18 games left in his coaching career at Houston as head coach. I I think I think the end is near. Well, I find, I, you know, I do finally after all this time after you know, I was first questioning this three years ago. Andy came around, I think, two years ago. <laughs> I I this is it, Will. I think people are finally realizing that he's just not the right person for this job. I just don't understand it. Uh, there has to be, it has to be that they just weren't paying attention, attention, because I, I mean, I remember when we first started doing this and you guys would say that and I'm sitting here like, how does he still have a job? And I'm not called for job guy. I'm not, right. I'm not, I am not advocating for anyone to lose their job. So it's a results-driven business. And if I look at the results, it's, it's difficult for me to understand why change hasn't been made prior to now. And what is it now that the epiphany has been like, okay, yeah, we might have to make a move. I, I mean, I, 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 I hate it for the man. I do. Mm-hmm. I do. I don't wish ill will on anyone, let alone someone losing a job, but it's a results-driven business, and the results clearly point-blank aren't there and haven't been. Right. They haven't been for a while, and I think you are correct when they say they're finally paying attention. Andy, I don't run this by you. You too, Will. Ironically, I, I believe that the preseason pick of fi- finishing second mm-hmm. opened up their eyes. Because they had expectations for the program that they didn't have before. Good point. And now they're three and ten. They're like, wait, wait, whoa! How can we go from being picked second to not being three and ten? Yeah. What do you think about that, Andy? I <laughs> I would hope that that that's not the case, but I laugh because I mean you're probably right in that aspect. But, I mean, look at where they have been a season ago. They were picked to be top three in the American Athletic Conference, and they still underachieved. And and that was coming off the heels of you know, momentum when they were that first team out in the NCAA tournament. So they had that momentum. They weren't able to deliver on it. And I think, we, like you said, we, we talked about it even last season where, especially if you're going to bring in a new regime, a new coach, it, it would have been to do it this season. So they get one, one year to establish themselves going into the big 12. And now it, um, this, but I'm talking to someone after yesterday's men's basketball game. It, 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 honestly, they might have ended up setting the team back, even if they do make a move. Cause now they're having to play catch up while they're transitioning into the big 12. And to, to about your point specifically, God, it just comes out, it comes across as neglect. Yeah, and I didn't do it, but President Couture tweeted yesterday after the men's 83-44 win. I wanted to reply to her tweet and say, and yes, the Houston women lost earlier yesterday afternoon and are now 3-10. and 10. What are your thoughts on that, Madam President? <laughs> That's what I wanted to tweet. To, you know, petty, but put it out there for her to see it in Twitter format. Because I tried to reach, try to reach out to her for a while. Nothing, nothing. But yes, they could be taken. They're behind now. 
head into the Big 12. They're behind the eight ball now. They're not ready for the Big 12. No work, no, no, just not, not close. So what are they going to do if they do finally make a move? Going to go the transfer route? Because <clears throat> I have a, a colleague and, and he's like, who would want the job? And I was like, I, had, I replied, are you serious? This is Houston, the city of Houston. <laughs> There's so much talent here in this area. And the facilities are top notch compared to other women's basketball programs. And they're going through the Big 12. <laughs> so a lot of coaches want this job because they believe that they could maximize with everything that's here. However, if the administration has been neglectful of the program, then why would or would a highly respected assistant coach want to take this job? Because if they missed, if that admins don't care, coaches, that's, you know, that's a dead coach walking. You know, if I don't have to support that because Andy, you know it, and where you know it from following sports. But Kevin Sampson said it many times, administrations win championships. Mm-hmm. If the AD doesn't care, if the senior women's administrator doesn't care, if the president doesn't care, if Tillman doesn't care, if we're the only ones who care, that's not good enough. And so coach is going to be like, eh, y'all don't care enough about the program. So why should I bother doing that? That's a question. And, and maybe you can't answer it right now. Maybe maybe it's an offline topic. But I hear Tillman a lot. And I get it. I get it. Who are the other, who are the other money people in Houston other than Tillman? And if you can't answer it, I, I, I mean, I know you know, but we can't talk about it now. I get it. But I'm just curious. I'm just curious. Most of them are silent. Okay. Don- donations. Okay. Fair you know, enough. We hear bits and piece, pieces of it, part of the contribution donations to the football, the Big 12 rise, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Tillman's way more vocal. He's just way more vocal about everything in terms of money. I mean, he, I, I heard a commercial, I think, uh, this morning about the new medical building school. Yep. Will, it's the Tillman J. Fertitta Family medical building. <laughs> okay. Wow. I mean, that's, that. yeah. Wow. So, but I don't know how many of the wealthy alums, because Houston has some, care about women's basketball. So that's a question. I've tried a few things. I've done more connecting with players from previous UH teams because many of them, they told me, Chris, I stopped following the team. You know, until this year, you know, handful kept up last year, but they're closer, closer to the Big 12. They're like, you know, I'm starting to pay attention and now I see what you're doing. And I had one of them watch the game yesterday. She messaged me after the first quarter. Well, this is promising. <laughs> then a second quarter hit. 16-4 for Washington State. She messaged me back. Ooh, that was bad. <laughs> that was brutal. You know. And then wow. they lost, and she's like three and ten. This is, this is not good enough. This is this, this is bad. So maybe more and more pre- players from previous teams speak up, speak out. This is not good enough. We need a change. Maybe that's 
will help. Something's got to change because I've heard from Big 12 people, contacts in Big 12. Do they really believe this is going to work in the Big 12? And I'm like, no, I hope they don't because they're like, Chris, this is not good enough for the Big 12. I'm like, yes, I know. <laughs> All right. So, you know, that's one of the things I heard again in Dallas Sunday for that Pac-12, Big 12 matchups. It was not stellar basketball between Texas and Baylor, Arizona, USC, women's basketball. But even that was still better than Houston <laughs> women's basketball. Taller players, more athletic. Mm-hmm. Andy Will. <clears throat> what are your thoughts on the possibility that seems to be increasing that Texas and Oklahoma will leave and join the SEC for 2024 rather than 2025? I think the probability is super high. I really do believe, I mean, it's closer now than it's ever been, I'll say. What, what, what changed, in your opinion, Will? Um, I think Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner. I think he, he made some – I think he is looking because who's in the Final Four? Who's in the college football playoff? Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, Georgia. Georgia is his only SEC representative. Mm-hmm. So, for years it's been Alabama, Georgia, Clemson. There's been multiple SEC Teams in the mix. He senses, he may not admit it publicly, he senses Alabama could be on the slightest of declines, I'll say. Especially in terms of a dynasty. Yes. Yeah. So, I need star power. And, and that's been my thing covering the Big Ten. Everyone says, oh, the SEC's the premier football conference in America, and they always bring up Alabama and Georgia, but they never talk about Vanderbilt. They never talk about Missouri. And God rest his soul, Mike Leach, they never talk about Mississippi State. Ever. Right. So, SEC, they see, I mean, commissioners, administrators, their role is to forecast the future. Look ahead. Fans, most people look at the right now. Their job is to forecast into the future. And Greg Sankey sees. Eh, we might have to, you know, beef up the conference a little bit. And if I could get Texas and Oklahoma in here quicker, they may not have results on the field, but it's the name recognition. Texas, Oklahoma, the Red River rivalry, that they need to get something in here quick. So why not move it up a year? Andy, what do you think? Yeah, from a Texas and Oklahoma perspective, I think especially when the news started coming out that, that the Big 12 was looking to bring in the, the new additions by 2023, I think there was a lot of noise about, well, then that means Oklahoma and Texas aren't going to stick around until 2025. I think that's just the progressive. Uh, progression of it. I think like Will said, 
from an SEC perspective. I'm sure there's there's been interest, especially now, which that that is an interesting point you bring up when you think of the premier brands. You think of the SEC, it's Alabama and Georgia. Alabama has been on a decline in, in terms of Alabama standards, um, which which is to to compete for an, for the national championship year in and year out. And from an Oklahoma and Texas perspective, the quicker they can get to the SEC, the better for them. So they've, I'm sure it's been something that both sides have been trying to do since the official announcement came out that, that both of those programs are going to be joining the SEC, and now it's just a matter of executing. But outside of that, and until it gets done, I'm sure both sides will continue to get work on it for it to get done. And something that Barry Yormark, the commissioner for the Big 12, has said, and at the end of the day, whatever's in the best interest for the conference – you know, the the quicker you can cut those ties and move on toward the future, it'd probably be best for, for all sides involved. And before we go into further discussion on that, Folks Talking Sports is sponsored by Five Star Properties, a Dallas-based company owned by UH alum. If you are facing foreclosure or need to sell your house as is for cash, call 972-532-SELL or visit their website at fivestarprops.com. That's F-I-V-E-S-T-A-R-P-R-O-P-S dot com. Help me negotiate. I'm part of the Big 12 negotiating team. Texas and Oklahoma want to leave a year early. They don't want to pay the the entire, what is it, 84 million, 80 to 90 million per uh, back to the conference and the members, the eight current members, not the four new ones, leave a year early. So instead of 80 each, it's split, they pay 40 each, <clears throat> you know, roughly. <clears throat> but I'm the Big 12. I'm losing Texas and Oklahoma. I got to go to ESPN and, and Fox, or ESPN specifically. Okay, we got to make sure you guys are not going to lower what you're paying. In that, if we let them leave a year early. So how are we going to make this whole? Will, Andy, do you think agreeing, the Longhorns as soon as agreeing to play Big 12 teams, non-conference, will help make that whole in mm-hmm. 2030 or whatever the hell it may be? First of all, I'm going to need more than $40 million if I'm negotiating. That's, I'm going to need about 77 <laughs> But, um, yeah, I, I, I mean that, and then to say eight years down the line I'll make it up to you with a home and home or a game, nah, that's not gonna do it for me. See, that's the thing because non-conference schedules are, are agreed upon so far yeah. in advance. Yeah. So if I'm the Big Twelve, yeah, that's not. I mean, I've, I've read about that. That's part of the negotiating. In the, Things poss- possibilities that the Sooners and Longhorns would come to, you know, play, be the visiting, be the opponent. Eight, ten years. I'm like, okay, how does that help my bottom line now? No. So that that doesn't make sense to me from a Big Twelve member school perspective. The negotiating, the grant of rights. I want my money. <laughs> I want my money. And, you know, one of the reasons the Longhorns and Sooners reps are angling to leave a year early is because they were not happy with the four schools the Big 12 expanded to. 
So? so? <laughs> Y'all don't have a vote anymore. Y'all leaving us. So we're moving on. So I'm from a Big 12 perspective, I'm like, okay, we're not concerned about you didn't not like enough for expansion candidates. So, okay. Give us our full $80 million each. Well, we don't want well then see you in 2025. <laughs> you know? That's my perspective. But Andy, you give me some logic, some rationale that makes sense from a big tour perspective to allow the Longhorns and Sooners to leave a year early. What works for you that would work for the Big 12 to let the Sooners and Longhorns leave a year early? Hmm. I think really the, the, the biggest thing that you have to do is, like you said, Chris, is that bottom line. And I think if you're looking at it from a Big 12 perspective, you at the very least have to be able to get 70 of those 80 million, at least for them to be able to leave a year early. But I agree with Will. I think a home a home and home or a future non-conference promise 10, eight years down the line, that's not going to cut it, um, especially with, you know, the old saying goes, money, a dollar, a hundred dollar bill now, it's worth more than a hundred dollars, you know, 10 years from now. So that, I don't see how that could be negotiating to, to the contract part of it, especially if it's like for only half of the grant rights or the payout money that they're expected to or that they're contractually obligated to be able to pay on their way out. You know, I think at the end of the day, in order for it to get done, they have to figure out a way to come up with the money. And whether it's for Texas or Oklahoma, whether whatever connections they are, the, the alumni they have, however they, they get that money, I think 70, maybe 60 would be pushing, and I think if they can get it to 60, that'd be a win for the universities and the SEC. I think that's much more what you're going to see in order for those schools to leave before 2025. Now, I'm not entirely too sure what, what kind of the negotiations would be back and forth from a Texas and Oklahoma perspective. Um, it's not like the schools are going to hold out from conference play or anything like that. So I think it's interesting. It'd be interesting to sit in on those conversations and try to see what the back and forth is between the Big 12 and those two programs to, to exit out early if they don't want to get the full piece of the pie of the 80 million on their way out. Can, can I provide a little perspective on the yes. home and home piece? So just from the Ohio State perspective, June 2020, two and a half years ago, right? It was announced Ohio State will host the University of Alabama September 18th, 2027. That was announced in 2020, to your point, how they're announced seven, eight years. In 2020, I was like, oh, now? I just said Ohio, Ohio, Alabama's in a slight decline. Who knows? Nick Saban won't be there in five years. Right. From now. Right. So what's the incentive for anybody in the Big 12 to say, yeah, We'll take a home and home in 2030. What? See, Boy. That, you know, yeah, that's that's my my take on it. Is I want the money. You know, ESPN, they want ESPN and Fox want Texas and Oklahoma to be in the SEC, ESPN, in the SEC in 2024. Okay, I know why you want it because Big Ten's new deal starts 2024. Okay, yeah. But if you want that, then you pay Texas $80 million for them to pay the Big 12. Yeah. Okay? <clears throat> because I'm, I'm not trying to be petty. I'm trying to be business. Business person. Business person. Okay. 
I want my money. I don't want to play Texas in 2030, 2032, 2035. I want my money. And the fact that the Longhorns and Sooners are upset at who the Big 12 expanded to makes me even happier to keep them around for two more years. Uh, Till, because if you're not happy, well, show me how miserable you are by giving me what you owe us. If you're so unhappy, if you're so pissed off, you know our account information. You know what I see in those wires? Send us our money. And then we'll say goodbye to you, 2024. Thank you for your time in the conference. But if you don't want to do that, we'll see you say, we'll say goodbye to you in 2025 and keep it moving. That's why the Big 12 football schedule going forward has not been announced yet because they're trying to hammer out this deal. And some folks have reported that it, I mean, I think they thought it would be done by this week. Well, week's almost over. And then other folks are, are closer to our line of thinking. They're not getting to a deal. This is not happening. <laughs> the Big 12 is, is not going to blink on this. And they shouldn't. And again, what, what, what exactly would be the leverage that Oklahoma and Texas have over not being able to leave early if, if the Big 12 decides to hardball and say, no, you have to stay, either pay the, the exit fee or you're stuck until 2025. Yeah, and let's be real. I mean, I don't know the specific details of how soon the payout would have to be, the 80 million or 80, 90 million, whatever it is, exact dollar figure. I don't know if it had to be in a year, you know, the lump sum, due date, anything like that. But if there's not a due date on it, you know, this must be paid in full within 90 days, something like that. Then haggle on the time frame. Longhorns print money. They have more money than OU. Okay. Mm-hmm. But the Longhorns print money. You say, Texas, we want what you owe us. We will agree to that being paid out in five years. Equal payments, five years total. So if it's 90 million, 18 million each year. What's wrong with that? Because the long ones are going to get how much from the SEC, from ESPN in the SEC? 75, 80 million dollars per year? So they got the eight, it had the 18 million covered. Same thing with the Sooners. I don't see, understand why this is so complicated. If you want to leave early, okay, this is what it's going to cost you. Now let's haggle on the time frame of you paying that amount that it's going to cost you. But I digress. Hmm. All right. We'll see if that happens. Andy and Will, we've talked about this maybe a month or so ago, and it seems like it's getting closer to becoming reality. The Pac-12 going with going to is it Amazon for basically the majority of its sports package for a slightly larger amount than the Big 12 payout Big 12 teams are getting, but. Is that a good thing? Because the Pac-12 is not the NFL. Okay? Folks are not going to search Amazon to watch Arizona, Stanford, women's basketball. 
Sorry, Coach Vanderveer. Sorry, Coach Barnes. And they have me. So is it a good thing to get more money but less exposure? Or try to work out something else with ESPN, Fox, go back to the table and say, okay, we know we hope y'all are going to increase your offer to us. Please help us out here. I think if, if you look at it from a short-term perspective, get, taking the most money at that, that's going to be what's more benefit to you in the short term. I think in the long term, like Chris, you mentioned it in, in terms of the Pac-12, and that just goes across the board for, for a majority of Pac-12 schools and Pac-12 sports and Pac-12 games. From a national perspective, if you don't have a direct connection to one of those universities that's playing, if you don't have a direct interest in a lot of the games that are playing, there's not going to be much of an incentive for you, especially if you're not from those schools. If, you know, uh, say me, for example, here in Houston, there's not really much incentive for me to watch a random Oregon game, Oregon versus Oregon State basketball game on a Thursday night, especially Thursday night in December when it's competing with Thursday night football. But I digress. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that wouldn't happen. But anyways, so if you're kind of isolating your – not fan base, but just overall your eyeballs. There, there, there's not a big enough draw in the long run for those schools. And then when the negotiating table comes again, or when uh, the Pac-12 and Amazon and whatever's down the road, whether it is those linear networks or who knows, whatever could be the difference five, seven, ten years from now, then that lack of exposure is going to come back and bite you because then Amazon whoever it is, you're going to say, well, you only were able to do this during this time slot. It doesn't justify us having to pay what we did, having to pay primetime value for not primetime draw. And I think that in the long run would hurt them. I think in the short term, if they can take the most money possible, it will help them. But I think that's one, one way it could come back to bite them. What do you say, Will? I appreciate the young lion and the Yanez. However, I disagree, and this is why. Only because, and I understand what you mean as far, but terrestrial TV is almost antiquated now. Everybody's watching TV on this right now. Mm-hmm. Everybody. So, if I'm on the beach in Hermosa mm-hmm. Beach, California, and USC's playing Stanford. I'm more apt to pull my phone out and watch it on Amazon. But if you can't, not not going for it. I could be a big team game, Will. Well, thank you. So let's say, I don't want to say that either because I'll talk about that later. Um, Washington and Washington State, the Apple Cup. Okay. I'm in Seattle at the, what is it, Pike Place Market? Yep. They throw the fish? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm watching my man throw the fish, and I'm sitting here on my phone watching the Apple Cup. That may benefit them in some perspective. Because most people, and I learned this when I was in Arizona about 25 years ago, so I was crazy, right? But people on the yeah. West Coast don't sit in football stadiums. They don't. True. They're on the beach. 
They're in the they're in the marketplace. They're doing this. They're doing that. So to have access to watch it online, I think would benefit the Pac-12 versus getting a zero point nine on ESPN and the ratings. But I do. I'll do. Oh, Chris, go ahead. But is it can't can people watch? NBC, Fox, CBS on their phones too? That's a good point. They can. Go ahead, Andy. They can. And the only counter to that, what I was going to say, um, and that, that's, that is a great point, but I think overall when you when you think of who would be likely to, to watch a game like that, wherever they may be, whether it's at a sunny beach in California or the market in Seattle, I think much more it would have already been kind of, maybe you don't necessarily have to be a diehard fan, but it would have been like, again, a supporter of the program that would have probably figured out a way to watch those games in the first place. And I think just in terms of swimming or switching to a streaming platform only, I think could potentially hinder growth across not a direct affiliation. And and that, that, that's just something that, that I see could potentially come back and, and hurt them in the long run. But, to be honest, who knows? Because there there hasn't really been, like you said, Chris, outside of the NFL, which is the NFL is in a league of its own in general. So it's not entirely too sure because we don't we don't have a direct example for it. But that, that's just one potential drawback that I could see foresee. And and a couple, I mean, a couple of things. The NBA's next media rights deal is going to involve streaming. It's just a question of how much. The Pac-12, we don't know the details of what they want, what George Klyukov wants. I think a streaming only for the Pac-12, I'm not sure what amount would be good. You know, you know, they want, obviously, I think they want $40 million per school. I don't see them getting that. So what amount would be, how much more, uh, then the Big 12 is getting purse would, would justify streaming only. So it's currently Big 12. Well, not currently, but it's like 31 and change, 32 million and change with the potential with CFP and everything. Maybe getting to 45 to 50 million per school. But straight up, what amount would would you say justifies moving to streaming only on Amazon with the Pac-12? 10 million. So 40 million. So what they want, they're seeking 40 million. Will, would that 10 million increase justify the move? <clears throat> I would say so because what's left of the Pac-12? That's oh, the yeah. thing. That's the thing. Okay. Um, go ahead. And so let me say this back to you, both of you. What if it's 32 million? 34 million. So it, it's not a 10 million bump. And then Arizona says, well, we can get close to that and more exposure going to the Big 12. Mm. So mm. with a 10 million bump, if they get it, you think that would be enough to keep Arizona, for example, in the Pac 10? Short term, I think it would. Yeah, to the negotiate a, a, a bigger number elsewhere, yeah. 
because you know in Colorado. Uh, I don't think Dion's going to stay there very long, three years tops, you know, whatever. He'll have success and not grow it, or he'll fail, and they want him gone because they won't, they won't like the outside activities that he brings in and, you know, the external stuff that he provides, all that kind of stuff, whatever. <clears throat> so it's interesting. I don't want to see the Pac-12 disband, okay? If it happens, it happens. But I'm coming from a, from a, a someone who covers – College basketball, <laughs> okay, men's and women's. So that's my angle on it. I know this football generator, I know that. But don't forget about basketball and how it impacts basketball. And, and that, because, Andy, I was, I was at one of those few people when Uverse had the Pac 12 networks. I watched Pac 12 women's basketball on Friday nights because it was some of the best college basketball in the country. And it was damn sure better than what I was watching here locally. <laughs> you know, so well, once Pac-12 fell off U-verse, no longer there, I pretty much forgot about it until they came on ESPN or ESPN2. Because it didn't, I wasn't going to get it on another platform. I was going to get on the FUBU or you know, Fubo, whatever, pay extra money for that. So that's just an example there. So if they go strictly to Amazon, that's more money. I'm, you know, I'm not going to pay it. If it goes yeah, that's, it, you know. that, that's, the, that's the exact point. You know, they're not going to be, unless if you're a diehard supporter, that's not going to be, you know, if you're on the fence of deciding whether you want Amazon Prime or not, I don't think that that's going to be the final nail in the coffin that oh, I, I have to catch those Pac-12 games. I think it, it becomes much more of a niche, for lack of a better phrase, potentially. Okay. Yeah, so... One more time as we wrap it up here on the Thursday edition. And we're doing Folk Talk of Sports on today, December 22nd, because we're not going to have a show on Christmas uh, night on Sunday the 25th. So we're giving you a little Christmas present early to see our three handsome faces, mm-hmm. to share our knowledge with you, our, our insight as well and opinions. Folk Talk of Sports is sponsored by 5starproperties.com, 5 Star Properties. Give them a call at 972-532-SELL-972. 532-7355. Five Star Properties is owned and operated by a UH alum in Dallas. So reach out there as well. If you're facing foreclosure or need to sell your house as is for cash. One more time. Call 972-532-SELL or visit the website at 5starprops.com. Speaking of big money, the biggest money of them all, NFL announced a deal with Google slash YouTube to have Sunday ticket on YouTube on two different, I guess, plan levels. I'm kind of curious to see what the price point will be for that. But it's, it's the NFL. So the NFL is going streaming, but the NFL is also not abandoning the linear platform, you know, NBC, Fox, and CBS. But it's the NFL. What are your thoughts on the NFL Sunday ticket going to YouTube? Man, left the right TV. So there's a linear, I guess, somewhat platform hybrid streaming as well. Um, as you said, it's the NFL. So, you know, they're the, the uh, proverbial straw that stirs the drink. They're going to get their number regardless. People are going to, that's not a niche situation. Mm-hmm. People are going to do what it takes 
to make sure. I mean, tonight <laughs> it's Jacksonville and the Jets on Amazon Thursday night football. Yeah, people are watching that game. Jeff Bezos paid seventy-eight million dollars to show that game tonight. It's seventy-eight million per game that he's paying the NFL for these games, and he's going to make a return on Jacksonville and the New York Jets. So it's like he made a return on Houston and Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. Or, or the 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 worst game of them all this year was Denver and Indianapolis. It was like mm-hmm. six to three or nine to six or something yeah. like that. No touch. No overtime. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah, And everyone was talking about how bad it was, but regardless of how bad it was. And like you said, it just con- exactly it just continued to build and build and build. Why? Because the NFL is king. The NFL, I mean, it's addictive to some fans. I mean, it really is because the quality of play, especially on the Thursday night games, has been trash. Yeah. But people still watch because they feel like they cannot do without it. And there's so many ways that that could even get a casual fan's interest, whether it be fantasy football now with DraftKings and all those platforms over under stuff. Like, God, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of different things that that could have gone on in in this Jacksonville, New York Jets game that you couldn't care less about the Jets and the Jaguars, and you're still watching because you want to make sure that whoever player you you took the over under get makes gets um, over 70 receiving yards or rushing yards or whatever. So, the NFL has put itself in a position where, like you said, even in that Colts and and Broncos game, it doesn't matter. Who what the level of play is. It doesn't matter how bad it is, how good it is. There'll be people watching and there'll be people talking about it. And these final few minutes, Andy, let's talk about the Cougs men's game last night, winning over McNeese by 39. What did you and Dayon say last night on Less Rage Cougs about the game? Yeah, so they they wrapped up the non-conference portion of their schedule that the uh, for the 20 at least for the regular season 22 23 and they have about six days six days until they they travel on the road and open the american athletic conference portion on the road at tulsa and, and something that kelvin sampson said post game and when you look at the non-conference schedule you feel the overall especially going back to the alabama game uh, talking about mcnee specifically and how well they were able to uh, their ball movement was in that win against the Cowboys. So they had 23 assists on 32 of their made field goals. And that's something that's become a bit of a trend for the Cougars going back to that loss to Alabama against North Carolina a and They had 14 assists on 28 of their made field goals. Against Virginia, they had 17 assists on 25 of their made field goals. And that's something that Calvin Sampson said that they had a, you know, with his, with his phrase, he said they had a come, uh, coming to Jesus meeting in regard to how they need to play offensively to be able to have success in ball movement. So it's one of the things that's non-negotiable for the program. So when you look at the non-conference league overall, they've been able to, and again, something that Calvin said when it comes to scheduling, he felt that they played the right schedule for this team. That is something that happens more often than, than not because obviously Kelvin Sampson's in charge of the non-conference scheduling portion for the Cougars' um, schedule, for, not to sound redundant, but just in terms of 
you know, they could have gone been anywhere from 13 and 0 to 9 and 4 in regards to the challenges they had. That Alabama game, the experience they were to pick up from that game is it's something that they've they've talked about multiple times and it's been certainly a, a valuable learning lesson, you know, wisdom and, and lessons. That's what he calls W's and L's wisdom and lessons. And they took a lot of lessons from that game against Alabama. Now heading into the American Athletic Conference, the final conference schedule in the AAC for Houston. It's just a lot of excitement as they continue to improve because, you know, as they go into January, they'll be better than they were in December, which they were better than they were in November. But the ultimate goal is to get into the conference tournament, you know, whatever that may be, obviously, is to win the conference tournament, win the regular season. But then it's all about March once they get into the NCAA tournament. So it's just continuing to improve, continue to build as they go to their journey towards March. Well, let's go to you first. Uh, wrap it up. What were you going to say? You said you had something you wanted to touch on before uh, we shut it down. I did. Something about uh, Pac-12 matchup, or Washington, Oregon, something like that, potential Big Ten meetings? Oh, no, no. I didn't have anything. Not for this. Oh, okay. But, um, yeah. <laughs> I don't have anything. All right. Well, <clears throat> I think Whatever. that's about it. Oh, is Ryan Day still in trouble? <laughs> Mr. 45. No, emotions have, emotions have subsided. And uh, he, he'll be okay. He'll be okay. 45 and 5 should be okay to keep him around for year four. Even if they lose again to the team of North? Talk to me. Well, here's the thing. If they play December 9, I don't think they lose because it's difficult to beat a team twice in six weeks. Um, let alone Ohio State to come in the game a little more healthier, I'll say. Um, but no, I don't. Yeah, no. I think. I mean, emotions run high after a, a rival loss here in Columbus, so everything was on the table. But I think now cooler heads have prevailed and. You know, it's on to the Peach Bowl. They're actually off. Yesterday was the final day of uh, bowl practice in Columbus, and they're off until the 26th, and then they head down to Atlanta for uh, preparations for the Peach Bowl, New Year's night, New Year's Eve night. Well, Andy, the Cougs football team plays in frigid Streetport Friday, December 23rd. Tomorrow? Um, what's yes, the sir. Do you know what the spread is? Last time I checked, I think the Cougars were favored by a touchdown, but I can get you the updated <clears throat> the updated odds. No matter. You know my question for you as we wrap up this edition of Post Talk of Sports. You predicting the win? I am. Uh, and, and if you are predicting the win. <laughs> for all intents and purposes, for for the program's sake, they, they should win. They should be able to. And various platforms that seems to be the consensus and they have their, their senior quarterback and they have tank Dell for that game so they should have the better players on the field and i will i'm gonna go ahead and guarantee it. i'm not only gonna guarantee it, i'm gonna guarantee that they cover the spread guarantee. louisiana will be without his top receiver as he opted to, to he opted to not play in the bowl game as he prepares for the nfl draft I think, like you mentioned, it's going to be a really frigid game, which both programs are not used to playing in that type of elements in the weather. I think 
the biggest key for Houston, I guess, the, the biggest issue and something that Hogerson and, and Tank Dell said leading up to the game, they, they want to get rid of that bet. That's our taste of out of their mouths when it comes to Tulsa and how they let the Golden Hurricane ruin their senior night. And then the Golden Hurricane turned around and fired their head coach despite beating Houston to end the season. But I digress. I think from this aspect, I think the biggest concern for Houston would be their defense. That's kind of been the story of the season. I think it would be interesting to see how both programs respond to their frigid temperature because, like I said, they're not used to it. So we'll see how the offenses prove But I think Houston has more, more, at least on paper, they have more than enough talent that they should be able to take care of business against the 6-6 six and six Sun Belt team to finish third in their conference and lost to the one common opponent they had, Rice, by double figures. But, you know what they say, when it's, it's bowl season, anything's possible. That's why you play the games on the field and not on paper. All right, Indiana's, Indiana's is predicting a Cougs win, and the Cougs will cover in the Independence Bowl, September 23rd in Shreveport. Yes, sir, Mr. Gibson. This question, did they, did the, did Houston sell their ticket allotment? I'm just curious. I'm not sure. They I, have not made no I announcement about they that. They won't, yeah, they won't publicize it. Was a four, it's a four-hour drive to Shreveport. You can't really fly into it. It's going to be 20 degrees for the entire game. I don't think it will be a good showing. It will no. not be a good showing. But they will have Houston Cougar supporters there. We talked to some after the men's basketball game or during the men's basketball game. So there will be Houston fans there. I just don't think overall there will be a lot of people, period, in that stadium. Yeah, it's going to look kind of sparse. Inside the the promotion, even for the student tickets, which, I mean, I haven't really seen much promotion in regards to that aspect either. Shocking. I say very sarcastically, but they did a good job. The UH Cougar football Twitter account did a better job yesterday. They killed it. The signings. <clears throat> so that was a step forward. And they're just a production value on some of the Donovan Smith video. That was a pretty cool touch with the video. I think it was interesting that you had tanked down Clayton Coon. To me, it kind of seemed like he was passing the torch to Donovan Smith in, in that video. But I think the production value, they, they, they've killed it in that aspect as well. That That's good. And uh, we're what, 10 days away from 2023. So I'm expecting, hoping, whatever, some point soon, them beginning, they be, them beginning to promote the spring game. <clears throat> Just putting it out there. It's time to start promoting the, big, the spring game. First really big event for the football team as they head into the Big 12 in July 2023. So April spring game. It's not that's three months away. Start hyping it up, get people involved, come to the game, all those things. Come to the new additions, new faces, new quarterback. What do I know? Willie Gibson, how can folks find you on social media, sir? Oh, social media. So I was gonna say in about five minutes, you're gonna find me outside throwing salt so this rain doesn't freeze on my driveway, but I digress. But uh, you can find me on social media at Will Gibson7 on uh twitter and instagram uh facebook at will knows and mr yanez come back sir or i'll just go ahead and do myself and what he does what he has to do i'm chris gardner of the houston round ball review find me on twitter at vhr review on instagram houston round bar review houston round bar review also on youtube TikTok for a little bit as well. Houston Round Ball Review. Got posting comments from Coach Shuey after the loss 
to Washington State on Wednesday. That's on the YouTube channel as well as postgame comments from Rice head coach Lindsey Edmonds after the Owls had their first loss of the season Tuesday at home against Middle Tennessee. Both of those are on Instagram and YouTube at Houston Round Ball Review. And Yanez, how can folks find you, sir? I'm back. I disappeared there for a second. They can find me on, on Twitter at Ayanez underscore five. Be sure to continue to plug the Paw Slam and Jamma YouTube channel at P-A-W-D-S-L-A-M-A-J-A-M-A on YouTube. We are a few subscribers short of 600. Obviously, we're still on the road to 1,000 subscribers, so please do your part and help us out on the road to a thousand and obviously um just in regards to gallerysports.com i'm really excited about a story that's going to come out tomorrow for gallerysports.com i know it's ball season but it's also basketball season so i have this really cool in-depth story because at this time a year ago for the houston Cougars men's basketball team it was a very very different vibe for them just in terms of really kind of prepared there it seemed like the sky was falling at this time in regards to the market sasser injury they had had Tremont Mark had just done surgery on his labrum. Kyler Edwards had sprained his ankle. So we're going to have a cool story that, that kind of goes into what those days were for the Cougars program and really how it, it, it kind of impacted the, in a, a bit of an improbable Elite Eight run. So be sure to check that out for gallerysports.com on December 23. That's tomorrow, Friday. And uh, as we wrap it up here, I want to say Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa to everyone who's watching us on Folks Talk Sports on Twitter as well as on the Houston Round Bar View on YouTube. The audio version of this show will be on Spotify, Apple, and iHeartRadio within two hours or so, hopefully. So thank you once again to our sponsor, folks of Folks Talking Sports, Five Star Properties, the owner who is a UH alum based in Dallas. This show, if you're facing foreclosure or need to sell your house, as is for cash, call 972-532-SELL or visit the website at fivestarprops.com. That's F-I-V-E-S-T-A-R-P-R-O-P-S.com. Gentlemen, thank you very much for uh, fitting me in on this Thursday's uh, time frame. A little different. No show this Sunday on Christmas. So stay warm. Enjoy the holidays. Yeah. And we'll have to do it again because, of course, the fo- Sunday following is New Year's Day, so how are y'all for that? I probably need to do it before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm cool with that. I mean, we'll, but... we'll see because yeah, because I'll have I'm, the Rockets. I think are playing on New Year's Eve, so they they should be open. And we'll the Cougars play on New Year's Eve too. So yeah, we should be we should be okay. We'll figure it out. The Buckeyes think... play on New Year's Eve too. So yeah, and James Mueller was un- unable to join us because he's spending time with his family this evening. So we understand that. No problem at all. So thank you very much to everyone who watched us. And until next time, everybody take care. Peace.